the Colby Daniels Podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, including Kratom, CBD, and Delta 8. If you're unfamiliar with these products or their benefits, don't hesitate to give Artisan Botanicals a call, 405-458-9699. They have a staff that's dedicated to helping you live a better life. So it's all about educating yourself on these products and their benefits. Also, we are saving you 15% when you order online. Go to abotanicalcompany.com. Use the discount code COLBYSHOW to get 15% off your online order, abotanicalcompany.com. All right, it's Thursday, which means Will Brewer joins me on the Colby Daniels Podcast. Will Brewer, what is happening today, my friend? Man, today, middle of the week, feeling pretty good. Um, Took that last week. I went to the war room like I said I was. Went to the war room, had to... Uh, readjust my strategy, but you right. know, now we're, I think we're ready, man. I think All we're right. ready to make a comeback. All right. Your league's uh, not safe, Daniels. <laughs> well, hey, look, we, we're big time this weekend. ABC, right? Much bigger audience for the UFC this weekend. So this is your opportunity. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We got to we gotta make it big for the for the ABC card. Second one. And, uh, man, this fight card stack, man, it's loaded. They, they're, not, they're pulling all the stops for these ABC cards for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to be aware of my Friday night activities because this is an 11 a.m. prelim start time. So, uh, I, look, I'd be lying to you if I told you that I'm 100% awake every single Saturday at 11 a.m. There, there are certainly Saturdays where I'm still kind of shaking off the cobwebs at 11 a.m. So, uh, yeah. Well, see, already I, I like my chances even more because, you know, if you're <laughs> – if you're feeling a little rusty on the Friday night going into Saturday morning, see, I'm up at about 10 a.m. getting a little workout in. So I'll, I'll be ready, man. There you go. There you go. Well, luckily, <laughs> we're making our picks today. So how I feel Saturday morning has nothing to do with uh, my selections. Bro, you're right about that. You are so right. <laughs> <laughs> you are so right. You are so right about that. Yeah. Dang. Yeah, so we've, what I just said. we've got an ABC <laughs> card. Uh, we will get to that card in a minute. We're going to go over some of the uh, official fight announcements that were made this week. But uh, let me just first say, I, I, I'm glad that Kevin Holland is stepping in for this card. Um, I'm glad that he's getting the opportunity for redemption so soon after, uh, you know, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, that Brunson fight and just everything that occurred in that fight. But, man, I was really looking forward to Marvin Vittori and Darren Till. Oh, yeah, that matchup was so fun on paper because you know that both of these guys bring it. Uh, Darren Till, uh, he's coming off the loss uh, to Whitaker, so you wanted to see him get back in there. And Vittori, uh, he's coming off that big win against Jack Manson. And it's just such a big fight because you know there's championship implications on it. Um, and Izzy's been kind of calling out Till. You know, he, he kind of wants that striking match. So um, you had the feeling that whoever's going to win that fight is going to get the title shot. So it just sucks that uh, that fight didn't uh, come together. But um, luckily Kevin Holland did step in and, uh, we still got a pretty good main event coming up on Saturday. Yeah, this is, uh, this is still going to be an awesome fight. I'm really excited about this fight. Obviously Kevin Holland isn't quite in the same position that he was a couple weeks ago. Uh, I don't know how, how much that impacts, uh, the overall fan base opinion of this fight, but look, it, regardless of whether he had won that fight or not. You're talking about filling the shoes of Darren Till, who is one of the biggest superstars in the entire sport, right? Like, this guy is, he, as far as his fan base, he's got a monstrous fan base. Absolutely, yeah. When when you look at the names on this card, the biggest name on the card, without a doubt, is Darren Till. This card was built around Darren Till, and for him to be the one that uh, 
that got the injury and had to pull out. You know, it just sucks um, because he is such a massive star. You know, we've seen him take uh, losses and everything, but it hasn't really affected his fan base all that much. You know, he's got fans all around the world um, coming from Liverpool, you know, that fan base. So, um, you know, it sucks that he's off the card, but, you know, um, the UFC, you know, they always got that uh, that ace in the cards, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, and they luckily they found it with Kevin Har- Kevin Holland. No doubt, no doubt. All right, let's uh, let's go over some of the official fight announcements that have been made uh, since we last did this a week ago uh, today. It is official, Will, the trilogy fight between Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor. It's happening in July. This is It's going to be another monstrous fight. And look, I, it, this is going to be bigger than the first time because I think the first time was all about Conor McGregor. And I think the people that may be outside the sport, the casuals, if you will, are this time around fully aware of who Dustin Poirier is and what he's all about. So this is going to be a blockbuster. Yeah, I feel like there's a, a big part of the MMA world who kind of are, I'm not going to say writing Conor off, but, you know, they're kind of looking at Dustin like, man, we just saw this. Like, we know what Dustin did to him. We know about the calf kicks and everything. What's Conor's adjustments going to be? So, I feel like a, lot, a large part of the world is probably going to look at Dustin and be like, this is a, a winnable fight. And, you know, we know that um, we've been calling Dustin, you know, the champion without the title, you know, uncrowned champion and everything. Uh, we know what he wants ultimately is that title. But, you know, he's chasing that big payday, which he uh, we know that he deserves it. He's been in this sport a yeah. long time. Uh, he deserves his payday. But um, this matchup, man, um, it's 1-1 one, one, uh, for me. I'm just as intrigued um, as I was in the second fight, man, because for Conor McGregor, man, we know that he's a championship level fighter and uh, we know that he's he's the biggest superstar in the sport. What adjustments will he be able to make against yeah. a guy as crafty, as skilled as Dustin? And then is Dustin going to come in with the same game plan or is he going to come with some with some differences? You know, we saw on Twitter these guys talking about meeting in the middle. I'm not sure how much I believe of that. You know, I know Dustin's going to come in there to win. So I'm not sure, you know, he's going to just go in there and just meet him in the middle. Uh, I know that his team, uh, Mike Brown and those guys, they've got, they're going to come up with a great game plan. Uh, but, you know, Connor, we saw we see how he is in rematches, you know, with, the, with, with what he did with Nate Diaz uh, from the first and second fight. The adjustments were glaring. You know, he was kind of – it didn't seem like he took that first fight with Nate serious. And, and then in the second fight, he came with a whole – a new game plan of adjustment. So I'm curious to see what he's going to come up with this time around. I'm very intrigued, man. It's going to be fun. Yeah, it's going to be a great fight. And and look, Conor McGregor is not going to uh, go into this. If you thought in any way, and I didn't think he was unprepared the first time, but if you think in any way he's going to approach this fight uh, without at least more intensity than he had the last time around, you're out of your mind. There, there's absolutely going to be um, a, a different mentality because he lost. And, and you know, for as gracious as he was in in the post-fight presser and, and, you know, all of that, the guy hates losing. And, you know, he, he certainly likes the spotlight on himself, and that's, I think, his driving force. So, yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I think this is going to be a great fight. And I, I'm certainly, even though we were both on the Dustin side of things the last time around – at this point, I, I, I would still bet on Dustin. Um, I, I don't by any means just think this is an easy Dustin win or anything like that. This is this is absolutely going to be a war. Absolutely. It's definitely going to be a war. Connor's going to bring it. Um, he's going to be aware of the calf kicks. He's going to be aware of Dustin's boxing. Um, 
I feel like he's definitely not going to be as boxing based as he was. I mean, his he was kind of stiff. You know, everyone was talking about how stiff he was and how he didn't look like his normal karate stance and everything. So um, I definitely feel like we're, we're going to see um, a more MMA style uh, from Conor McGregor. You know, he talked about how he was uh, preparing for Manny Pacquiao and everything. So I feel like his focus is solely going to be on this fight. And uh, we're going to see uh, a Conor who's loose like he normally is. We're probably going to see Conor uh, talking some noise at the, at the press conferences and everything, try to get in Dustin's head. Uh, I feel like we're going to see the old version of Conor. And, uh, you know, Dustin's going to have you prepare for it. But, you know, Dustin's been in the sport a long time. He's fought the best of the best. So, yeah. Uh, Dustin's one of those guys who's going to be ready for any and everything. So that's just going to make this fight just that much more intriguing. So, you know, the third fight around, um, 1-1. So, I mean, for me, it doesn't get any better than this. I mean, it's not a championship fight, but, uh, I mean, as this is as good as it, as good as it gets, for yeah. sure. I mean, look, ask anybody if they'd rather watch Oliveira versus Chandler or Poirier versus McGregor, and the answer is going to be Poirier-McGregor 3. So uh, that that says everything you need to know. And here's my question to you. Because I think a lot of people are like, I mean, this fight is happening so soon after the last one. There's going to be six months difference between fight two and fight three. How much realistically can change going into fight three? I was trying to think of the last time there was, you know, two two guys like this, uh, it, it you know, with that platform in a main event type scenario or a massive fight type scenario, fought back to back in like a six month stretch and how different were the fights. The only recent one that came to my mind, and you, you probably have a better memory than me in this regard, was uh, Max and, and Volkanovsky, right? They fought uh, those two fights in a six-month span. And and look, from a, from a stylistic standpoint, I don't feel like a lot changed with those two fights. So, you know, do you, can you think of another example? Oh, um... Off the top of my head, man, um, six months span. I mean, the only thing that that I can think of that comes close is like uh, Steep A in DC, but that's a year. That was a yeah. So that was a long so, time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So I mean, six months fighting, you know, so closely together, you don't re- you don't normally see that. Right. Um, what Max and uh, Volkanovski did is probably the closest thing. And you're right, you know, not a lot uh, changed uh, stylistically. Max did make some adjustments, uh, and Volkanovski had to answer that. Yeah. Um, I, I felt so, like the biggest adjustment, though, was just activity, right? Like, Max made it a point right. to be more aggressive and, and uh, be more active early in the fight than the last time around. And that was, to me, I mean, I'm, I know there were small differences, but as far as the big picture, uh, there wasn't anything glaring that was, like, drastically different, you know what I mean? Right, no, no drastic changes uh, for Max or Volkanovski. Uh, yeah, Max just had to come out there and just take bring the fight to him. Um, Volkanovski did a great job of not letting him get started in the first fight, and uh, Max definitely took that and uh, brought that into the next fight and knew like I'm going to get started no matter what you do. Yeah, and then Volkanovski had to answer that from there. Um, as far as Dustin and Connor, man, um, you know the first fight ended so so quickly that. Uh, you know, you don't really know, like, what you know, what changes. And then, like, so much time had passed. So, like, it was basically a new fight for both of those guys. See, now with this fight, it's only six months. So, um, you know what Dustin's bringing to the table. You know what Connor's bringing to the table for the most part. Um, I think uh, more of the, the changes is definitely going to have to come from Connor as far as his stance and as far as um, 
him being aware of takedowns and just yeah. being more aware of the of the full arsenal of mixed martial arts instead of worrying about Dustin's boxing. And I think he's going to be well, well aware of it because, you know, he's worried, so worried about the boxing, but Dustin just brought the leg kicks and brought the takedowns. And uh, from there, Connor had to uh, be prepared for all of those, and he just wasn't ready for it. So um, I think this time around, it's just going to be a matter of Connor, you know, being aware of the whole game of mixed martial arts and, uh, you know, um, being aware of the calf kicks, being aware of the takedowns and just picking the shots where they come. You know, he definitely didn't fight long like he normally does. So he's going to have to bring that back for sure. Connor should just attempt a takedown out of the gate. Just <laughs> charge in, attempt a takedown, and Dust will be like, what in the hell is happening? <laughs> that would definitely throw him off or it would throw him off or it'd be like the whole Nate Diaz thing. Oh, so you're a wrestler now. Yeah. You don't want to stand inside yeah. with me. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm look, I'm, gl- I'm glad they got it done. Uh, that's going to happen in July. That will be, I mean, that'll be the centerpiece of, of the UFC uh, this summer. So uh, that, that's going to be awesome. Um, all right, let's hit a few more. Uh, we've got, uh, how about this one? This, this stylistically, I think, is probably as fascinating a match as, as there is booked at the moment. We have uh, the return of Wonderboy against Gilbert Burns following the loss to, to Kamaru Usman. He's got a guy stylistically that is maybe as difficult to challenge as anybody in that division. I, I love this matchup. I don't know what to make of it, but I love this matchup. Absolutely. I definitely love this matchup because just where these guys are in their careers, um, being right there for a title shot, Gilbert Burns just come off the loss to the champion. You know, Wonderboy needs that signature win to solidify him being uh, the, the next guy in line. Uh, this is a fantastic fight. The styles uh, mesh really well. Um, Wonderboy being so hard to hit, uh, being so unpredictable and so unorthodox with his striking and everything. Gilbert Burns is going to have to be very aware of um, he's going to have to be very cautious of what the, what strikes are coming, when they're coming. But, you know, Wonderboy is just in and out, in and out. He can't – Gilbert Burns cannot get frustrated if he swings and just hits air. You know, he's he's got to be um, willing to take those unnecessary chances to get inside because Wonderboy is going to be very far away from him. And uh, if Gilbert Burns tries to go in, I mean, he's going to have to be wary of the, of the kicks, the spin kicks. I mean, I mean, anything could come at any time with Wonderboy. But, you know, Gilbert Burns has wrestling. He's got pressure. He's got good jujitsu. So I feel like Gilbert Burns can take this uh, different areas. Um, I don't feel like this is going to be a completely stand-up fight. Uh, Gilbert Burns is going to have to use all of his gifts. Um, this is gonna be, it's, it's intriguing, man. I love this matchup, man. Yeah, I, I, my initial thought is it just, again, it just seems like Wonderboy, I, I feel like is so much taller and like the reach would be a massive advantage. I even pulled up the numbers. It's only a two-inch differential from a from a height standpoint, and I think the reach advantage for Wonderboy is four inches. Um, but I guess it's just because of the way they're built, right? Like Gilbert is just, you know, like a, a bulldog. He's, he's not very slim, so it maybe gives him the – the look of being a little bit more squatty, uh, whereas you know Wonder Boy's obviously very long uh, and lean, and yeah, I, stylistically though, I, I love this matchup. Like I said, I don't know what to make of it. Um, luckily, we have a long time before that fight actually happens to make a prediction uh, and to kind of think it over. But as soon as I heard the names, I was like, yes, that is awesome. Absolutely, this fight, yeah, man. For the welterweight division to pull this fight out, I mean, I definitely didn't see it coming. But when I heard about it, man, I mean, just it's so intriguing. And then, like, 
I heard someone uh, talk on a podcast about the betting lines, and I feel like they're definitely going to change. I feel like one moment, Wonderboy's going to be the favorite, and then after you hear people talk about it, then maybe Burns will become the favorite. I mean, it could go so many different ways. Uh, who's going to dictate the pace to the fight? You know, if it's Wonderboy, it's going to be pr- kind of slow. If it's Burns, uh, there's going to be a lot of activity. So, right. um, man, just, you know, the styles, man. Who's going to impose their will? Um, yeah, I, I love this matchup, man. Uh, I think we're really going to get to see where uh, Wonderboy is, like fighting a guy who's kind of similar to, to Kamaru Usman in, uh, stylistically. And then we're going to get to see Burns, you know, he kind of, he went from Damian Maya to Tyron Woodley straight to Kamaru Usman, you know, and there wasn't really much that we got to see from Burns. Now with the guy like Wonder Boy, we're going to really get to see where he's at for sure. Yeah, a whole different level to the game, right? I mean, we always talk Absolutely. about the the different levels of MMA, and and you have to. I mean, there's you may be a great matchup for one guy and and completely miserable for another, and and I just don't feel like Burns has had the the look of anybody like Wonder Boy. Uh, so yeah, I, th- that's going to be a great matchup. And look, let's just stay in the welterweight division. Uh, I was really happy this fight uh, was just announced, especially on the heels of Leon Edwards getting Nate Diaz. We talked about how unfortunate the Nate Diaz or the the Leon Edwards Bilal Muhammad eye poke situation was. Uh, Bilal was asking for the rematch. He wanted to get, I think, a, a, a top ten fighter. Hopefully, you know, it was Leon again for him. But uh, it's going to be da- speaking of Damian Maya. Bilal Muhammad, Damian Maya, and look, this is a, I think this is a great opportunity for Bilal uh, because it's still a, a guy that has a lot of weight to his name, but I think this is a, a very winnable fight for Bilal as well. Yeah, man, this is a perfect scenario for uh, for Bilal. You know, I wanted, me personally, I wanted to see uh, Leon and Bilal running back. I just felt like it was just right, the right thing to do, but, you know, if that's not going to happen, you definitely want to see him fight another ranked guy who's got a name. Uh, someone who can kind of put him back in that uh, title picture or in the upper echelon of the division. And a guy like Damian Maya, who's uh, fought for numerous titles, who's uh, fought the best guy in the world. Uh, he's got that name. So uh, this is definitely the perfect scenario for Bilal. Winnable fight for him. Uh, it's still a dangerous fight. I mean, yeah, Damian for sure. Maya, for him, for him to be um, in his 40s and everything, Damian Maya is still dangerous. He's still going to bring the fight. Uh just like Bilal will. I mean, both of these guys pressure. Uh, both of these guys are good on the ground. Damian Maya is going to have to, uh, or Bilal's going to have to watch for Damian Maya's jujitsu because, you know, that's his calling card. You know, we all know what uh, Damian Maya's best uh, path to victory is, and that's to uh, get a submission. So, uh, you know, Bilal's going to be in his face pressuring him, and uh, he likes to grapple and take things to the ground. But whenever it gets there, uh, he's going to have to be careful. So, um uh, as far as uh, as it's standing, I think Bilal's got the advantage there. But you know, Damian Maya is the type of fighter who does he doesn't care. You know, he'll he'll pressure a guy like Tyron Woodley. He'll pressure a guy like Kamaru Usman. You know, he knows what it, what the path is. So uh, I just think this fight uh, it's it's very intriguing. Uh, best case scenario for Bilal, and uh, I believe this is uh, Damian Maya's last fight in the UFC uh, before he calls it quit. So uh, it's a good way to go out against a guy like Bilal. Yeah, there you go. Uh, staying in the welterweight division, we have another big fight announcement. Battle of the Neils. Jeff Neal and Neil Magny. Man, man I love this fight. Uh, it's a fun fight. Um, Jeff Neal, he had a lot of um, he had a lot of hype on him going into that Wonderboy fight. He had a long layoff before that. Um, and then, you know, Wonderboy, 
he's one of the best in the division. So, you know, Jeff Neal definitely uh, saw that. Uh, but, you know, I feel like it's one of those things, it's only going to make him better. So uh, he's still young in the game. He's got a lot to learn. But he's really good. He's got a lot of potential. And uh, this is a perfect fight for him to fight a guy like Neil Magny. Both these guys are coming off losses. Uh, Neil Magny kind of dropped the ball against Kiesa, kind of fought his fight. So this is a chance for Neil Magny to get back on the horse. Um, you know, Neil Magny in, in three-round fights, you know, Neil Magny's one of the best. You know, he, he his pressure and everything. Uh, but, you know, just those those big moments, those big-time fights, he kind of just drops the ball a little bit. So um, it's definitely an opportunity for Neil to get back in there. Yeah. Uh, Neil Magny, that is. <laughs> and uh, as far as Jeff Neil, man, this is a chance to move up in the division. He's still young and uh, a chance to beat a guy who's been around the block. So this is a fight that uh, that we knew was going to happen, but it was just made official within the last week. Actually, I think it was just a, a couple days ago it was actually made official. Dan Ige and Korean Zombie. I, I love this fight. Stylistically, this has all the makings of a fight of the night. Uh, maybe maybe fight of the year type matchup, right? I mean, Korean Zombie brings that that style, and when you look at uh, what Dan Ige just did, uh, this is this is going to be a big one. Yeah, I think we even we talked about this matchup before it was ever announced, before this was even in the works, uh, about how fun this fight would be if if it was made, and just yeah. the fact that it's actually here, like Dan Ige, Korean Zombie, just the thought of it, like it's crazy. Like Dan Ige, we know what he brings to the table, we know what Korean Zombie brings to the table. I definitely feel like there's absolutely like going to be like no real like skill. Like there's not going to be like um, we're going to we're going to see who's better at jujitsu, wrestling, this type of thing. These guys are going to stand in the middle of the octagon and bang it out like we know, like what's coming. Like we know that, that the styles like both these guys bring it. Uh, Dan Ige, he calls himself 50K for a reason. He's coming off that big knockout. Korean Zombies had a fight of the year. So like. I'm, I love this fight, man. I cannot wait. Uh, I'm gonna, my eyes going to be glued to the TV. Yeah. And this is a this is a five round main event, correct? I think it is. Yeah, I think this is a yeah, I think it's a, a fight night main event. Man, and so Dan Ige getting another shot at the main event, and uh, Korean Zabi uh, coming off that Ortega loss. I mean, for me, I mean, for both these guys, this is this is a perfect fight, and I cannot wait for it. Yeah. Um, I, I text you about this one yesterday. This is an awesome fight, and this is two of the the young guns in the UFC. Uh, two that that I, I know we both are are high on Miranda Maverick and Macy Barber. Man, when when you see fights a fight like that made, two real young studs with potential. Man, you're kind of like, well, Macy <laughs> Barber was kind of on the was kind of on the high um, for a little bit, and then she uh, tore ACL. Yeah. Now Miranda's kind of on that same trajectory that um, that uh, Macy was on, and now they're going to collide. So you know Miranda's young. I mean, I think I think they're both under twenty five, or Macy might be twenty five, twenty six. Like young studs, they got they both have so much potential. We saw what uh, Miranda Maverick brings to the table. Uh, Macy Barber's coming off another loss to Alexa Grasso, but you know she definitely brought it in that fight. And this is going to be a fight where both of these ladies they're definitely going to bring it. This is going to be uh, very, very fun stylistically, yeah. and I can't wait for it, man. That's going to be a great fight. Macy Barber is 22. Miranda Maverick is 23. Um, I'm, I'm kind of so, – Yeah, she's only 20. Remember, wow. she wanted to be the youngest champion in UFC history. Uh, That's that was right. like the the whole shtick, and, and uh, 
you know, she's lost two in a row, obviously, but look, I, I don't think, for me at least, that that diminishes what I think she's capable of in the UFC. It's kind of surprising that these two are fighting each other because, like, I, I really do believe that that both of these fighters are, are potential future champions. Um, so, you know, maybe you get it done now, and then at some point, you know, five years down the road when maybe they're they're in the the top five, you get the, you have a rematch built into that. Uh, but yeah, I was, I was actually surprised to see them get the matchup against each other. Cause I would assume the UFC wants both of these to, to rise. Uh, but look, I, I I'm not complaining. Cause I, I think that's going to be, that's going to be a banger, man. Yeah. We know what Miranda Maverick said today. We just saw her against uh, Jillian Robertson and she yeah. looked very, very good. Uh, and we know what Macy Barber brings to the table. She's she brings it, you know. No matter if she's losing, um, no matter if she's got even a torn ACL, she still is gonna go out there and, and bring the fight to you. So um, I definitely see a lot of activity in this fight, um, man. I don't I don't know who I would favor in this <laughs> yeah. fight. It, it's re- it's really close, but yeah. uh, I mean it's it's very intriguing, man. Yeah, big time. I I, I love that fight. Uh, all right, the last one we will hit before we. Uh, we make our picks for UFC on ABC2 is the official name of this fight card. Um, in the heavyweight division, obviously we have a new champion. It's Francis Ngannou. We're waiting to figure out whether it's going to be Derek Lewis or John Jones. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of what ifs right now in the heavyweight division. Two of the rising stars in this division that you would assume maybe, maybe I, I would say probably two fights away at best for a title shot are Cyril Gaon and Alexander Volkov. Uh, this is another, I think, from a matchup standpoint, just an awesome matchup. The winner of this obviously is going to have to get in line because, again, we're talking about Derek Lewis, John Jones. We don't know what's happening with Stipe necessarily, but uh, the winner of this is is positioning themselves to, to really have a big-time opportunity. I definitely feel like these two fighters were basically on a collision course, like, after their respective performances, I mean, I, I don't think there was any other route for either of them to go. I mean, unless you, uh, unless Derek Lewis wanted to fight one of them, um, but you know, he's waiting. He could be in the next line for the title shot. So I think uh, realistically, this is the best matchup for both those guys. And then stylistically, man, uh, Surreal Gon is six six or six five six six, about two fifty two sixty cut, and then Alexander Volkov is. All of six seven six eight, yeah. and he's gotten he's gotten bigger, and like, I mean, th- just their performances. What Volkov did to Overeem, I mean, de- basically had Overeem in a shell, and di- and Overeem didn't want to do anything. He just took a beating for however long the fight lasted, uh, and then Shrill Gan just how how skilled he is. Uh, Jarzinho was de- was basically in a shell himself, and we know how Jarzinho normally fights. He's no- looking for that knockout, but. Uh, Shrill Gaon made Jarzinho just kind of stand there and just kind of watch him. And, you know, Shrill just kind of did his thing for five rounds. And, you know, both these guys have high fight IQ. Uh, I definitely feel like this fight is going to be very, very fun. I, I don't know if I feel – I don't know if I see more of a feel each other out or if I just kind of see a, a heavyweight slugfest. You know, I feel like it could go either way. Um it's just going to depend on how these guys approach the fight. But, you know, that fight is really, really fun, man. I can't wait for that one. I, I think these guys are 
first of all, from a look standpoint, this is what you want a heavyweight UFC fight to look like, right? Uh, as far as the, the guys standing in front of each other, I mean, this is the look of, of what you dream of when you talk about these big-time matchups. Um, I, I, I see this being like a, a really technical fight. I, I don't think either right. guy wants to get into a slugfest. Um, you know, I, I'll tell you a fight that kind of comes to mind that, that I would kind of imagine this fight being a lot like Robert Whitaker and Darren Till. Right, two very right. technical fighters that there might be some opportunities for the guys to, to have some exchanges, but I think for the most part, it's going to be very calculated strikes on both sides. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. Uh, my, my only thing with that is, like, we're talking about two heavyweights here. So, yeah. like, you know, in the heavyweight division, there's always a chance to, of there being a knockout. Yeah. So, um, I definitely see what you're saying as far as the technicality. I mean, both these guys are – very technical, very good strikers. Uh, they both use their kicks. Uh, these are two uh, heavyweights where we see where the heavyweight division is going to, the evolution of the, of the heavyweights. Um, it's not really going towards like a Derek Lewis and Jarzinho, those type guys. We're seeing guys who are kind of good everywhere, and that's what these two guys represent. So uh, I definitely see it being a technical fight, but uh, I definitely could also see it, you know, them, you know, going at it at some point, you know. So, um Man, that's a fun fight, man. Yeah. That is a very fun fight. Yeah. Uh, before we move on from the heavyweight division, um, what it, what is your overall feeling on what's next with Francis Ngannou? Are you starting to lean one way or the other, or are you do you feel like you are as in the dark as everyone else? Man, uh, I definitely feel like I'm uh, very in the dark because, you know, this whole situation, man, like you don't know what the what the number is with the contracts. Like we, there's so much that we don't know. So I feel like I'm definitely in the dark. But I also feel like um, the UFC is definitely going to want to move on because they have they have a fight. It's not like they don't have any other options. They have a very very good heavyweight fight that's going to be intriguing. That's going to sell. Uh, yeah. It's not going to be the biggest fight in UFC history like Francis and John Jones would be, but. Francis and Derek Lewis, I mean, even though the first fight was a dud, we know what the potential is for uh, a fight for the heavyweight championship, and we know how the first fight went, so they're going to want to prove a point. So um, for me, um, as as I am in the dark, but I definitely feel like we're going to see Francis and Derek first. They're just going to be like, screw this. John's asking for too much. There's too much going on. Let's just go with Derek. That's kind of where I am. That's where I'm leaning right now. If I if you made me bet on what I think happens, I, I I'd probably bet on Derek Lewis being the fight. Uh, and obviously, he doesn't have an opponent right now anyway. Um, the only reason I'm skeptical of that is because they still haven't made an announcement for this. And I I I mean, this is going to be regardless of who Ngannou fights next, it's going to be a massive fight. Like it is going to be a, yeah. a huge deal whether it's John or Derek Lewis. I mean, look, if if Derek Lewis is the consolation prize, you have the two greatest knockout artists in the heavyweight division history. For can you sure. can you imagine the hype video for Francis Ngannou, Derek Lewis? I mean, I, I know they fought the first time, and maybe that becomes part of the story, right? Redemption for the dud that, that they gave us the first time. But the hype video with both of these guys just knocking people out with swing after swing after swing, 
to, to get that, obviously with both guys at a significantly elevated place in their career versus what it was the first time, like that's still a massive fight. And the fact that they haven't made that to me says they're going to wear out trying to make the John Jones fight happen until they just feel like, hey, this isn't going to work and we have to take that next step. I, I think they know they can make the Derek Lewis fight and that it's there. Uh, so... That's that's kind of the way I perceive things right now. They're they're trying to make the Jones fight happen. I don't think it's going to happen. And when they finally say, "All right, we're out of options. We've we've exhausted this thing. We're going to move on," then I think that's when you hear the Derek Lewis announcement. Absolutely. Uh, like you like you always say, um, if the UFC can make this fight happen with Ngannou and Jones, uh, they're going to do whatever it takes within reason. Like you always say. Um, so, I mean, there's no rush really. I mean, I know they said they kicked the tires on on Francis and Derek Lewis, but if you can make the John Jones fight happen, you make that happen. Uh, they're definitely going to wear out their options. They're going to see what, what the how close they can get to the number, or if they can just get John to come to terms with you know you're not going to get like seventy million dollars or whatever big number he's looking for. If they can just agree on anything on just any type of number. Uh, they're going to make that happen. So I think they're going to, they're holding out hope for it. Um, I think, you know, they're building these cards and everything. So like, I mean, what Connor and Dustin's set for uh, July and then you got, uh, I think it's July 10th, maybe if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So I don't know if there's another pay-per-view for July or uh, if they're going to just roll into August, but like you, you have time for uh, these guys to get like a, a full camp in, like it's only uh, yeah. April. So, um, I think you have time on that front. And I mean, all these guys know what their next step is. And, you know, we see John training. Um, I'm sure Francis is going to get back to training soon. I know Derek Lewis is probably training. So all these guys know probably what's next. So, uh, I mean, I feel like you have time. So with that being said, I definitely think that they're going to wear out those options with Jones. And if it doesn't happen, then they definitely have a very, very big heavyweight matchup. Uh, I mean, for Francis, uh, Derek Lewis to be the first title defense of Francis Ngannou, that's still so big. <laughs> yeah. that's, a ma- that's a massive fight. And yeah. like you said, just imagine the hype video of Francis knocking out eight guys in a row, and then Derek Lewis knocked out all of the guys that he's knocked out. Like, that fight sells itself. It's I the mean, ultimate it's, hype it's, video. Like, what other, who, what other two fighters can you make a better hype video for than Derek Lewis and Francis Ngannou? There, there is nobody. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's right. literally nobody. Because, like, just the different ways that these guys have been knocking people out, and then you can just roll the clips of, on how these guys are looking after they get knocked out. Like, they're literally motionless. Like, these guys are stiff, you know? So, I mean, <laughs> de- definitely can make a big fight out of that, even though the first fight was terrible. I mean, we know what the potential is. So, I mean, if I'm John Jones, I mean, I-, I wouldn't mind waiting. But, you know, if you can just – if you can come to terms with you're not going to get that big, huge payday that you're asking yeah. for, but just kind of just get something kind of just close or in the ballpark, just then you make that fight happen. But if not, you still got a big fight with, uh, with Derek Lewis and Francis. Let me ask you this, because I've kind of wrestled with this, whether it would be a good thing for John Jones to wait or not. On one hand, you have to consider the age factor, right? Like, it's John's not a young guy by any means. If he's not fighting Francis next, you have to imagine that fight's at least six months out, and then at least another six months at the soonest before 
let's say they, you know, let's say it's Derek Lewis next and then John Jones. We're talking about at least, I would imagine, a year before that fight would actually take place. So on one hand, you have the age situation. On the other hand, though, it's it's a year of John Jones being able to train at heavyweight and be comfortable with extra pounds and, and all of that. So I've kind of wrestled with if if John Jones were to fight Francis, let's say a year from now as opposed to next, would that be a good or a bad thing? And, and like I said, I've kind of been on both sides of it. Well, for me, um, I, I've seen John Jones fight off of long layoffs. Like he's had so many suspensions and then he just comes back and just looks, you know, better than ever or, or just as good. So the only thing that, that makes you question it now is like the fact that he's moving up a weight class that, you know, he's adding extra weight and everything. So while I think that it would be difficult for him, uh, definitely the year of just being able to train at that weight, being able to be comfortable with your movements, knowing where uh, your strong points are and everything. I definitely feel like that would benefit him because he's such a smart fighter. He's going to want to know uh, those things uh, going into a big fight like Francis. So um, I definitely feel like it would help him. But then again, like, um, who's to say like Francis and Derek doesn't end in the first round and then Francis or Derek say, I'm ready to go in yeah. November. And then, you know, John Jones is next yeah. and he fights one of the, one of these guys in November. So, or at the end of the year in December. So, yeah. um, man, uh, I think it just depends, man. I, I don't know. Um, as far as, as far as John having this layoff, I just feel like, He's working, so I, I definitely feel like he's just yeah. using all of the things that he's learning and uh, just adding it to his already massive uh, fight IQ. And, and by the way, let, let me clarify. I didn't mean to suggest that, like, John Jones is at the end and, like, you know, he's only got a fight or two left. Like, I wasn't trying to suggest that. I just mean, like, because he's only 33, which I always remind, like, it always, because he's been doing this for so long at such a young age, right. it, it's always shocking to me when I actually remember how young he is, but he does feel like an old 33, right? Like when you consider, I mean, just look at his last few fights. Um, I mean, you, again, you can make the, I think he lost to Dominic Reyes. Uh, he certainly didn't win a bunch of fans in the Tiago Santos fight. Um, you know, and so my point is Francis feels like he's on the incline. Whereas with John Jones, it doesn't feel like he's on the incline, right? Like Francis is a rising star, I don't. I don't know that John Jones's better days are still in front of him. That, that that was my only meaning by that. So just to for anybody that was listening, I, to clarify what I meant by it's another year of him on the sideline, and then the next time he gets in, you know, a year has passed. Another year has passed. Right, right, and you're right. Francis is still evolving, right? So like in another year or in another few months or whatever the case is, Francis is going to be getting better. He knows that. John Jones is on here rising. So we know that he's going to be working on the the technique, the tactical things uh, of fighting. So we know he's going to be working on his takedown defense, you know, his overall fight IQ. Uh, he's going to be working on the little things that make uh, a guy like John Jones so great or a guy like Steve Amiocha so great. You know, Francis knows like his power is his calling card. But, you know, the thing that really won him that Steve fight was the fact that he was able to stuff takedowns. So, um, yeah, Francis is definitely on the incline. He's definitely evolving. And as far as John, man, um, yeah, you're right. You know, he's got a lot of miles now that you come and think of it. Because he's been right. doing this since he's been 21, <laughs> right. you know, when he first got into the UFC. So he's 33 now, and he's had nothing but title fights since he was 
how however young he was when he won the title, 23, 24 years old. So uh, definitely a lot of miles on on John Jones. But uh, I will say he's, he's definitely done a great job of not getting hit. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know how much that matters against Francis, but, <laughs> you know, he definitely has done a good job of not getting hit. So as far as, you know, his chin, I think his chin is, is good. But um, it's just, you know, the things like how strong will he be? You know, how quick will he be? So I, I guess it's tough to say, man. Yeah. We'll have to see. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's uh, let's make our picks. Uh, we had a week off last week, so uh, it'll be nice to boot things up again. Going back to UFC 260, Will, it was a very oh, bright man. night for Team Daniels <laughs> with uh, the Francis Ngannou win, with the uh, Luke win. We both had Sean O'Malley. We both had Miranda Maverick, but uh, my lead extended Currently 27 points on the board for Team Daniels, 22 points on the board for Team Brewer. As always, every fight is worth a single point. Main event and title fights are worth three points, which uh, we have a pay-per-view card coming up with three three-point fights available, so that's going to be big time. Um, but to start things off, UFC on ABC2, we mentioned this at the beginning for, for those that uh, may have forgotten, like myself before today, uh, prelims start at 11 a.m., so this is an early card. Um, I, I'm assuming the main card will be, what, probably 2 p.m. Central Time? I believe it's uh, 2.30. 2.30? Okay. I believe. Yeah, there you go. So, so uh, in that neighborhood. But uh, we start things off with Platinum Mike Perry and Daniel Rodriguez, uh, this just screams bloody war to me. Um, I, I, I like both guys. I, I've heard both of these guys described as sloppy fighters, uh, which I, I, I think makes sense. Uh, and, and you know where that, that's coming from, I think. Um, I, I, this, to me, is just going to be like a, a gutsy, gritty uh, type of fight. Um, I actually really think that... Uh, I don't know. I've, I've gone back and forth on this. I'm, I'm going to go Mike Perry, though. I, For as inconsistent as, as he's been, I, I think this. I think he's going to look good on Saturday. I think this, he, ABC, it's a big audience. I feel like he's going he's gonna to have it dialed in. Now, this could be a complete roll of the dice on my part, and, and you know, I, we, we never know what Mike Perry we're going to get, but I'm betting, on, uh, I'm betting on good Mike Perry Saturday. Yeah, man, and uh, you're right. He's been so inconsistent just with his approaches to these fights. Like, um, and then like you don't know who's going to be in his corner. Is it going to be his uh, his the girlfriend, girlfriend again? Yeah. Is is he actually going to have a, a corner, like a full like a coach to actually help him? So you know, you never know what you're gonna what Mike Perry you're gonna get. Um, but uh, yeah, this fight is fun, and even though he hasn't had coaching in some of his past fights, you know, Mike Perry still brings it. He still is uh, pressing the action. Uh, I definitely felt like his fight with Mickey Gall, even though he didn't have any coaches, that was one of his uh, more impressive performances because he's basically just going out there, just, uh, you know, fighting with his own mind, you know, and we kind of think like Mike Perry is a nut, but when he's out there fighting, he's still one of the best yeah. uh, guys that we, that we that's in the UFC. So, um, it's all about the mentality with him. Um, he's got so much going on in his personal life and everything that you just kind of forget about his actual uh, skill. So uh, with that being said, I definitely feel like this fight will be a war. Uh, Mike Perry, Daniel Rodriguez, it's a very intriguing fight. But um, 
I'm with you, man. Uh, I think Mike Perry will get it done. I think the experience will shine through, and I think uh, Mike Perry gets it done yeah. uh, by decision. Daniel Rodriguez, by the way, fought four times in 2020. He fought three times in 2019. He's six and one uh, in in those two years of action, which is is pretty impressive. Seven fights in in the last two years, uh, and and I, I really like this fight. Uh, I, I certainly am not discounting that Daniel Rodriguez could win this fight, but yeah, I th- to me, I think, like you said, I think you nailed the word. Experience to me is probably my the difference maker in ultimately picking one way or the other. Absolutely, because if uh, you know if both these guys are kind of on the same level, you know, career wise, you know, Daniel Rodriguez has shown a lot of skill, while Mike Perry's just kind of, you know, he he's knocking guys out and he kind of. Uh, takes guys to decision and everything, but you know, how good is his, is his skill level and everything. So, yeah. um, but Mike Perry definitely has that experience. He's fought, he's fought some of the best guys in the world. Uh, you know, there was a time when Mike Perry was a, was a welterweight contender, uh, on the verge of getting a really, really big welterweight fight. Um, but you know, he's had some slip ups in the past, but he's got a lot of experience. So, uh, yeah. I definitely think Mike Perry's experience was shine through in this yeah. one. 14 and seven overall for Mike Perry, 13 and two for Daniel Rodriguez. Mike Perry's five years younger with six more fights, uh, which is kind of an interesting scenario there. All right, moving on the main card straw weights. I, I like this fight too. Nina Ansarov and Mackenzie Dern. Uh, Mackenzie Dern is one of my favorite, uh, women in this division. So, Give me the ten and one Mackenzie Dern. Man, uh, this fight is very funny and it's it's very intriguing on a lot of fronts because you know Nina had the baby uh, with Amanda and everything. She's been on a, a layoff for a long time, but before she decided to have the baby and everything, she was one of the top three or four contenders in the yeah. bantamweight division or in the strawweight division um, on the verge of of possibly getting a title shot. Uh, I think she her last loss her last fight was a loss against um, uh, what is that Tatiana uh, Suarez Tatiana Suarez who is very very tough so um, man with, with with this layoff man there's just so many questions you know right. we know we know that she trains with the goat and everything every day so we know she's gonna be ready but you know just actually being in there in the octagon after such a long layoff there's just so many questions so. Oh. And then Mackenzie Dern has been as active as anyone uh, in the women's division. So um, I'm going to also take Mackenzie Dern. And uh, I just think the activity um, is going to be the difference in that one. By the way, Mackenzie Dern is the betting underdog in this fight, uh, which I, I was kind of surprised by. Not not because uh, I don't think that I, – I honestly actually think Nina's probably a little bit more skilled. But, I, I, again, I think when you just add the layoff factor – uh, Mackenzie Dern was three and zero in in twenty twenty. Um, I, I think she's looked good. Uh, I, I think there are just less questions about what we're going to see from Mackenzie Dern in this fight for me. Absolutely, I I, I agree. Um, the, just such a long layoff, and then like, how is having a baby going to affect her? You know, you know, some people say like, you know, having the baby is going to give you added motivation and everything. But when you have such a long layoff, you know, sometimes you know the ring rust is actually a thing for some fighters. So. Uh, but we know what Mackenzie Dern uh, can bring to the table, and we know that she can win this fight uh, at any time. You know, getting a getting an unorthodox takedown and uh, wrapping on a submission. So uh, Nina's going to have to be careful, but uh, I definitely think that Mackenzie's going to uh, be able to catch her. All right, next we have middleweights: Sam Alvey, thirty-three, fourteen, and one. A ton of experience against 
the guy who called out Miley Cyrus, Julian Marquez, 8-2, and two, had the uh, come-from-behind KO uh, recently. Uh, I, I, this is another fight where I think you have a, a young guy like Julian Marquez who certainly has a bright future against a guy that kind of feels like he's in a desperate type of situation in, in, in his career. Uh, this, this certainly could be uh, potentially the last time in the octagon for Sam Alvey. Um, I, I liked what I saw from Julian Marquez. Again, understanding he was coming off a long layoff, um, getting a little bit of that ring rust out of the way, if you want to call it that, uh, getting back in the octagon so soon. I like Julian Marquez. Yeah, man. Uh, Sam Alvey, he seems like he's one of those guys that the that the younger guys fight or someone who uh, that you really want to see like what all he's made of. Because Sam Alvey is pretty solid everywhere. So you put Sam Alvey against these younger guys and you really see where they're at. So, um, yeah, Julian Marquez is coming off that long layoff, but he definitely showed uh, a lot in that fight. Got the win, come from behind win. Uh, definitely got some eyeballs on him and everything, calling out uh, Miley Cyrus. You know, uh, maybe we'll get an update on uh, the status of them two <laughs> during the fight or something like that. So, um, yeah, man, uh, I'm also going to, you know, I really wanted to pick against you on this one, but uh, I just can't do it on this one. So I'm, I'm going Julian Marquez also. Uh, you know, Sam Alvey, he, he's tough, but I just think at this point um, he doesn't have much left. He's, he's lost four in a row. Now, you know, Ryan Spann is in that group. Jimmy Crute is in that group. So it's not as though he's losing to nobody's. He's losing to to legit guys. Um, but, yeah, look, he, he's a tough fighter, and, and uh, this is going to be a big-time test for Julian Marquez. And, honestly, this is one of those fights that, you know, if Marquez gets past Sam Alvey, then you really start to look at, at what's next. This is kind of a, a prove-it type of fight. So, um, yeah, that, that should be a good one. Um, we did have a cancellation on this card, Will. Kyle Dacus and the Black Wolf, and I was actually prepared to say Hizriev with the pronunciation, <laughs> uh, not on the card, so... That was a fun fight, too. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people probably didn't uh, know about those two guys, but uh, that was probably going to be one of the better fights on the card. Uh, I did not know that it was off, but that sucks, man. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was excited for that one. I thought that was uh, that had a real opportunity, I think, to be uh, fight of the night on this card. So uh, I ask you at the end of these, like, what do you anticipate being the best fight? That was in consideration for me. So uh, disappointed Absolutely. that that one is off. All right, our co-main event is two ranked featherweights. We have Arnold Allen, sixteen and one overall, against Sadiq Yusuf, eleven and one. Uh, this is another one that I think is really, really good. Um, I, I've just overall, stylistically, I think this is intriguing because I, I think stylistically, for me, this points a little bit more toward Allen for me, but I, I'm just so impressed with Yusuf that even though stylistically, for me, it kind of points the other way, I, I'm, I'm going Yusuf. I just uh, I, I think that there's something there. There's that, that somewhat of an it factor, if, if you want to call it that. Yeah, I agree, man. Uh, you know, there's something with uh, something with these African Nigerian fighters lately. You know, with Francis and Israel and Kamaru all becoming champions, so that you're kind of looking at who's next. And then, you know, Sadiq Youssef uh, definitely checks all the boxes. You know, he's uh, a fun fighter, a very skilled striker, uh, strong, strong for the division. Um, but man, uh, Arnold Allen's definitely going to test him. Uh, this is a, a definitely a, a really, really fun, intriguing fight. 
um, when I saw that this was made, like I hadn't, I haven't seen Arnold Allen fight in a long time, you know. Um, it, well, I think it's it, been a, over a year for both of these guys. Yeah, um, I want to say that Arnold Allen's last fight was against Gilbert Melendez, and I feel like that was over a year ago. Um, so uh, I, I think he's been hurt, um, but he's definitely a, a tough guy. Um, man, you know, I didn't want this to be the one that I differed you on, but I think, you know, I don't want us to, you know, to have the same card, you know, so I'm going to, I'm just going to go on Arnold Allen. All right. All right. Like I said, I stylistically to me, in my mind, at least this, this kind of pointed in, in Arnold Allen's direction. So, uh, I just, I I think, uh, I I just have high expectations for Sadiq Yusuf. Uh, and it's, it's, uh, Kind of, so I kind of have that dilemma of like um, a crossroads there. Uh, by the way, G- the Gilbert Melendez fight was July of 2019, uh, but he did have a January 2020 win over Nick Lenz. Okay. Nick Lenz, okay. I think is, yeah. Okay. So it's, it's still been uh, over a year for him. So uh, we'll see how the layoff affects him, if any, but um yeah, this is it's a fun fight, man. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for that one. All right, that's, so that's a really good co-main event. There is our uh, our first differential on this fight card. I would assume this is the only differential, but uh, we'll see what you do with the main event. In the main <laughs> event, we have again ranked opponents in the middleweight division. We have Marvin Vittori, the number four middleweight, sixteen three and one against Kevin Holland, twenty one and six the number 11 middleweight Kevin Holland coming off the loss to Derek Brunson a few weeks ago. We talked about that, how it just kind of felt like Kevin Holland became the shtick instead of fighting the fight and allowing the, the shtick to be a part of it. Uh, I kind of, you know, we'll see how he learns from that whole situation. Um, Marvin Vittori, Darren Till, I, we talked about this a few weeks ago. This, this really had the potential. If one of these guys won an impressive fashion to be, the, the, the fight to determine the next contender to Izzy for the, the middleweight title. So um, maybe Vittori's still in that situation if he wins this impressively. You have to remember that a week from Saturday, we have Robert Whitaker and uh, Kelvin Gastelum in that division as well. So uh, we'll see how it all shakes out. And, and look, Darren Till is a factor just simply because the name and, and the star power that's there, uh, despite not being in this fight. But... This is a huge one. I, I'm really excited. I think my biggest interest in this fight is how does Kevin Holland bounce back? Do we see a different approach? Do we see a more measured Kevin Holland just from a fight standpoint as opposed to the the show that he puts on uh, within the fight? So I, I'm really curious from that perspective what Kevin Holland looks like. But look, I, I think just period, Marvin Vittori to me right now seems like he's on a different level. So Marvin Vittori is my pick. Yeah, man. I, while um, Kevin Holland, he's very skilled. Um, you know that last fight with uh, with Derek Brunson. I definitely don't think we saw the the best Kevin Holland. I think he definitely. Um, I agree with that. You know, saw saw the path to being a superstar. Um, you know, all the commercials, all the publicity that he was getting on being, you know, big mouth and talking to got to the guys while you know on the bottom and everything. I think, you know, he tried to play play that up as much as he could, and he was worried more about that than about the fight. And then 
um, talking to Khabib instead of listening to his coaches, you know, a whole uh, minute of uh, of time where he could have been taking instruction from his coaches on on things to uh, do better. Uh, he was talking to Khabib, and you know, it definitely wasn't anything tactical, you know, that really could have helped him. You know, it was just kind of, you know, it was, it was more for the show. So right. I definitely don't feel like we'll we'll see uh, a showman. Um, Kevin Holland in this fight. I definitely think he'll be locked in. I definitely think he'll um, take instruction from his coaches and uh, we'll we'll see the guy who we thought that we would see against uh, Derek Brunson. Now, with that being said, uh, he's going to have to be the best version of himself because Marvin Vittori is going to bring the fight to him uh, in ways that I don't think he's seen yet. Um, while Jacare and Derek Brunson, all those guys are good, like Marvin Vittori is a different kind of it, the, the way he approaches fights, you know, he's out to put these guys away. You know, he's out to hurt these guys. Uh, he wants to win more than anything. And uh, um, as far as who I think is going to win, man, uh, you know, I guess I just wish that the Derek Brunson fight never happened because, you know, it just leaves yeah. a bad taste in your mouth about right. the whole thing. And, uh, you know, we we know what we're going to get from Marvin Vittori, and there's just still so many questions on Kevin Holland. And this is still a huge step up. Uh, a competition for him from from you know winning five fights in a row in 2020, and then you get uh, Derek Brunson. Now you're getting uh, a guy in Marvin Vittori. While it's an excellent opportunity for him to bounce back, I just don't see uh, Marvin Vittori giving him those opportunities. So uh, I'm also going to go Vittori. Um, I I I do believe that Derek or sorry, not Derek Brunson. Uh, that Kevin Holland here is in a big-time situation, and I like this fight a lot for him. And look, I know that he's staring potentially two losses in a, what, three-week span in the face, and and I think that's likely to happen. I mean, the, I think uh, Vittori's like a minus 325 favorite, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I've, I've actually got the numbers right here. Uh, Kevin Holland is plus 250. Marvin Vittori is minus 325. So uh, the, the Las Vegas says that... that Marvin Vittori is a massive favorite in this thing, but I think if anybody is going to bring out Kevin Holland's best and kind of get him back in that zone that we saw him in in 2020, it's Marvin Vittori, right? His style dictates that, first of all, Kevin Holland is is going to have the opportunity to, to get back to maybe fighting more of the fight that we saw uh, him have success with. I, Vittori might just determine because of the Brunson fight to go to the ground more often in this fight, but I do think there are going to be some big opportunities for stand-up exchanges in this fight, and that's what Kevin Holland does extremely well. So um, if, if there's going to be a, an opponent that allows you to rebound, and you know we just talked about it, the focus and all of that stuff, and and you know cutting out all the trash talk and the uh, distractions. Marvin Vittori is the kind of opponent that that says, hey, you've got to be on your game. You can't be, you know, doing all the other stuff. So while I, I don't think that he completely cuts that out, I do think we get a considerably more dialed in Kevin Holland in this fight. Yeah, he, he's going to need to be extremely dialed in because Marvin Vittori is not going to be playing with them. Like, uh, Vittori is not going to be on the, on the ground trying to uh, – you know, when Kevin Holland's on the bottom, if Kevin Holland tries to talk to him, like, you know, Vittori's not going to be having any of that. Vittori's going to be trying to knock his head off. So right. um, Kevin Holland's definitely going to have to be dialed in. And, you know, Vittori 
out of everyone that's fought Izzy outside of Kelvin Gastelum, you know, Marvin Vittori definitely took the fight to him. And there was a fight that many people believe, um, especially Marvin Vittori, thought that Vittori won. Uh, it was a split decision win for him. And since then, it just seems like Vittori's gotten better. You know, Izzy definitely took took the rocket ship and definitely rode it all the way up to, you know, becoming the champion. But, you know, Vittori's definitely looked good as of late as well. And, uh, you know, he's been he's been wanting this fight uh, with Izzy for a long time. And Kevin Holland is in the way of that. So I definitely feel like Vittori is going to uh, take it to him. Uh, definitely not going to be playing any games with him. Uh, but, you know, like you said, this is an opportunity for Kevin Holland. There's going to be a lot more opportunities, uh, stand up opportunities for Kevin Holland than, than there was in the Brunson fight. Because Brunson knew thousand percent yeah. um, Brunson knew the path to victory. Uh, but with Vittori, you know, he's definitely going to test all areas of Kevin right. Holland's game. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know how long the, that the opportunity is going to last, but I know that they're going to be there. So Kevin Holland's going to have to be when, – when they come, he's going to have to know it. Right. Uh, or he's going to definitely regret it. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Uh, this is a fun fight card. Um, as far as the prelims, anything anything stick out to you as as uh, something to keep an eye on? Man, uh, to be quite honest with you, I don't. Rem- I'm, I think I'm mixing my fight cards because I think I've been looking at this one fight card a little too much. So. Is uh, is Carl Roberson on these prelims? No, Carl Roberson is not on this card. Okay, okay. Uh, remind me of some of the prelim fights. We have uh, there are a lot of pronunciation names on okay. these prelims I, I, that uh, I that I will will have issues with. But the feature prelim is Joe Selecki and Jim Miller. Jim Miller uh, yeah. Let's see, just just to name a few of the fighters. Scott Holtzman is on this. Uh, Jack Shore, probably the name I would circle as far as all the the fighters in the prelims as a name to watch. Uh, I, I definitely think he's 13-0. and 0. He's a guy in the bantamweight division to keep an eye on that I think will at some point be ranked. Um, Luis Saldana is a guy that was in uh, Contender Series last fall uh, that, that I thought uh, looked good and, and will have an opportunity against Jordan Griffin. Uh, Impa Kasanganai. Uh, I don't know if you remember oh. that name, but uh, he was another contender series guy that that took the uh, he was on the wrong end of the uh, the KO of the year. So, yeah, okay, uh, I definitely remember it now. Uh, I was mixing some prelim cards, but yeah, there's some fun fights on the prelim cards. You know, I definitely feel like Jim Miller's been in this in this game since like UFC like 50 or something, <laughs> something crazy like that, and he's still you know, given some of the top guys in the sport such a hard time, you know, he'll win some, lose some and everything, but you always know what you're going to get from a guy like Jim Miller. Yeah. Um, Scott Holzman as well. Definitely a fun fighter. Uh, sure. Uh, like you said, undefeated, uh, definitely, uh, one to look out for, you know, for this to be an ABC card, like there's so many fun matchups on the prelims and on the main card, like so many fights that are basically, uh, that could be viewed as toss-ups. Um, a lot of fun fighters. Uh, you know, the UFC definitely put a, a great card together for this uh, ABC uh, for this ABC card, and it's going to be great, man. I'm excited. Yeah, a lot of international flair on this card, by the way. 
I, I wonder if they, they purposefully did that for the sake of, of having, you know, the bigger audience with ABC. Yeah, not only that, but you had two international fighters at the time um, headlining the card with yeah. Hill and Vittori. Right. So I feel like they just added more international flavor. Um, but yeah, man, this, this fight card, it, it's loaded, man. It's stacked. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, we are just two weeks away from another pay-per-view, as I mentioned just a little bit ago. Three title fights on that card. So that one's going to be pretty insane as well. Man, and just those three matchups, man, uh, Chevchenko and Andrade, like, you know, no one's ever brought the fight to Shevchenko like Andrade is going to bring the fight to her. And then Whaley and Rose, like, just, I mean, we know, like, everyone knows yeah. what, with, with the styles and just with Whaley coming off that fight of the year contender with uh, with Joanna. Can, I, can we just go ahead and say that's a, to me, that's a fight of the year candidate before it even starts? Oh. For sure, absolutely. Yeah. Because, you know, I definitely feel like it's, de- it's going to be another stand-up war. And I feel like Rose is, is just a, a tad bit more polished uh, with the stand-up than Joanna is. You know, she already beat Joanna twice. So um, that fight's going to be uh, incredible. And then, of course, you got Usman and Masvidal. I mean, while... We just know, saw guys- Usman defend the belt, Like I feel like, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, it, it was just a couple of weeks ago, yeah. and that was probably his best performance. Like, yeah. to beat a guy like Gilbert Burns and to do it like that when there were so many questions on uh, what differences there would be in the fight and everything. Uh, Usman looked incredible. He's actually getting finishes now. You know, before he was getting called snoozeman and everything, but but now he's anything but. Um, and he's fighting Masvidal, and, you know, there's there's a lot of bad blood between these guys. Um Usman says that Masvidal's had a built-in excuse, and you know Masvidal's kind of been running with it as far as you know he's he's had he had six days on the last one, and now he's getting a little bit more time. Man, I I mean personally, I don't know how much different the fight will go. I mean, I guess it depends on how Usman approaches the fight because I definitely think he can get him down whenever he wants. But you know we've heard him say in the past that he wants to test him uh, with the stand-up, so. If that's the case, then Masvidal has a chance for as long as it's standing. So that's intriguing in, a, in, a, in itself. I can just tell you now, um, I will be picking Kamaru Usman in that matchup. Uh, there's so just just giving you the opportunity right now. If you wanna if you wanna go opposite me to to sleep on it, chew on it a little bit, think about it. Maybe you wanna go Masvidal there. Um, look, you would also get the bonus point. Have you seen the odds yet on this fight? I have not. Do you want to take a guess as to what? Uh, I'm going I'm I'm to I'm throw a shot in the dark. Okay. Usman is a minus 425 favorite. And okay. uh, what would that make Masvidal? Like a plus 275 or something like that? <laughs> uh, okay, so as it stands right now, and again, these, these change. So uh, as it stands right now, you're really close on Usman. Minus 400. <laughs> and uh, Masvidal is a plus 310 Wow. <laughs> I mean, with how Usman's looked, and it just seems like he's getting better. I mean, we know how strong his wrestling is, but what he did to Gilbert Burns was just so crazy. Like, being able to stop him with jabs yep. and just to be able to take a big punch from Gilbert and then uh, still just take it to him and drop him with jabs and just take over from there. I mean, if Usman is getting better and Trevor Whitman is just – uh, polishing just the little details of his game, like that's yeah. scary for the entire welterweight division. 
Masvidal's good. He's game. He's got the knockout power. He's a huge superstar. But if Usman's making those changes and still getting better, there's not much of a chance that Masvidal's going to have outside of landing uh, an outrageous strike like he did against Ben Askren. I mean, Usman won comfortably the first time around. And, you know, I think when you just watch what he did from a striking standpoint against Gilbert Burns and add that to the arsenal, if Usman wants to win this fight by decision... He could win this 50-45 with ease, right? Like, he can just yeah. lock up ease. Masvidal the entire fight. He can fight in the clinch. He can get him on the ground and just cruise to a victory. But if you want to add the striking to it with what we saw against Burns, I don't know why he would add that. Because, again, I think it's an easy path to victory in this thing. But if you add that, I mean, we'll, maybe that makes it more interesting. Uh, but, yeah, I, I just I don't see where this is... Uh, in any way different than the first time around, I guess, in favor of Masvidal. So. I definitely think that Usman feels like he has a point to prove in this one because not only does he feel like Masvidal had a built-in excuse, but, you know, Masvidal's going to do everything he can to, to make it to where Usman doesn't wrestle. Like, if you hear, listen to Masvidal's interviews, he's going to say, all Usman's going to do is hug me and stomp on my feet and uh, foot dance or whatever the case is, like, and, you know, I feel like Usman wants to prove, like, not only can I do that, but I can beat you wherever you're comfortable. And, I, you know, wherever you're best at, I can beat you there. I can beat you where I'm best at. I'm just levels above you in every yeah. aspect of the game. Like, Usman said that on multiple occasions. And, you know, we know what the what the clear, easy path to victory is for Usman, which is, you know, take him down, ground and pound, that type of thing. Yeah. But I definitely feel like Usman's going to, you know, Take that risk, you know. He might, yeah. Um, I definitely feel like, at least in the first round, unless he gets hurt or whatever. Like if he, if he, in the first round, if he's able to land some strikes and you know take the aggression away from Masvidal, you know maybe we see him do it for the entire fight. But you know Masvidal's going to take it to him, you know, as long as the fight's standing. So you know yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of questions that's going to be answered, but you know. Usman, to be that much of a favorite, is definitely warranted. That guy is as good as it gets If I'm Usman, the ultimate FU is to say, you're exactly right. That is what I'm going to do. You know what I'm going to do. And you're not going to be able to stop me, and I'm going to win all five rounds. Yeah, like it's... You, you can't do anything about it. Like, that's that's how bad I'm going to beat you, is you. I, I'm telling you my game plan today, and you won't be able to stop it. Yeah, I definitely see that. But the only yeah. thing that makes me think that Usman might do something to try to, uh, you know, like, stand with him is the, the eyeballs, right? Like, right. there's going to be a lot of uh, fans watching this one. You know, uh, this is a big payday for Usman. And, you know, for all the fans who, you know, say that he's a snooze fest and he's a boring fighter and everything, yeah, this is an opportunity for him to show, like, I got that too. Like, I can go out there and I can be, uh, you know, a guy who goes out there and just strikes and – uh, gets a finish or whatever. So yeah. with that front, I definitely see Usman maybe taking a risk, but if he just definitely just wants to get on Masvidal's nerves and just take it to him, he can do that too. So, yeah. Well, look, we, we talked about this um, after the last Burns fight where, you know, everybody was like, how is Kamaru Usman so underrated? And, you know, people don't appreciate him the way that they should. And, and I, I told you, I was like, it's simple. It's about finishes. Like, yes, he's been dominant, but, he beat Masvidal by decision. He beat Woodley by decision. He beat RDA by decision. He beat Damian Maya by decision. He beat um, who? Who? Uh, Leon Edwards by decision. Like 
people love finishes. And regardless of how dominant you are in those situations, um, <laughs> sorry, uh, regardless of how dominant you are in those situations, if you're not putting people away, then I think there's just a, people aren't going to appreciate you as much. Like, is that fair? Probably not, but that's reality. If you're not finishing fights, you're just probably not going to be viewed in the same light as somebody that's finishing fights. So when he finished Burns, it, you know, and, and obviously the Colby finish, like those are looked at completely different than all of his other wins. I mean, that's just the bottom line. So I think that's why he's been chronically underrated. It's because he's had so many decisions and not finishes. So, yeah, I mean, th from that standpoint, that, that could be the motivator. Let's finish him instead of, you know, just completely dominating him for five rounds. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, and I guess that there's that's the reason why a guy like Masvidal is such a big star because, you know, he wasn't uh, that big of a star. He was kind of going to decisions. Uh, he right. would get knockouts here and there, but he was kind of a guy that would win some, lose some, go to decision and everything. But he became a big star when he started knocking guys out and, you know, talking talking his noise and everything. That's why guys like Masvidal and Conor McGregor are stars because they're they're getting finishes plus, you know, talking that talk or whatever. Usman has been just proven that he's just levels above these guys for right. as long as he's been in the sport, but we're not appreciating him like we should. And right. now that he's getting finishes, we're finally starting to see him in that light. But we should have been doing this a long time ago because kind of like Khabib proving that he's better than these guys, you know, Khabib did it 29 times, but you know, Usman still, I guess he's relatively new uh, because, you know, he fought on, on fight nights and whatever for a while. You know, now he's starting to get on pay-per-views now that he's champion and everything. So I think now, you know, people viewed him as a snooze fest, but I think now that he's starting to get knockouts, that he's starting to prove his uh, dominance and everything. I mean, we, we're not going to have any choice but to appreciate him more. Um, you know, we're going to have to appreciate these guys like Usman who – go out there and prove their dominance oh, every yeah. night instead of just, instead of just getting these knockouts, because I mean, th there's just an art to going out there and just proving how dominant you are that besides, you know, getting a big knockout. Like right. for me, it's, it's the dominance ahead of the knockout, but you know, we're hardcore fans. So we're definitely going to appreciate that more, you know, for the casuals, they want to see those knockouts. So I guess, which I appreciate. Uh, Cause I love knockouts too. Like I, I get it. And, and it's why, like, you know, I think we, understand the reasoning for some of this. We understand why Usman is viewed as underrated uh, because, you know, again, like pe that's what people want. That's why, you know, for example, it's why Conor McGregor sells so much because of the flash and, you know, like he doesn't fight grinded out, you know, five round decisions. Like, you know, if it, the, the popular fighters just, they get finishes. That's the bottom line. Yeah. The pop, they get finishes and they get spectacular finishes. Right. Like, Popularity uh, and dominance are two completely different things. And if you always understand that when you're having these conversations, then it's really easy to understand, I think. But people, I think, yeah. mix those two things into the same conversations, and they're completely opposite topics. Yeah, and then you get uh, Kamaru Usman's underrated. He's a snooze fest and everything. Yeah. You get those type of people. Yeah. And you're like, ah, like, come on, man. You really got to watch these fights to really appreciate what Usman's doing. Uh, and, you know, now it's just starting to – it's going to make it to where Usman's going to take a risk. I feel like he's going to take the risk. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I say that, but not, But now there's just so many questions. But I feel like he's going to take the risk to try to get those fans behind him because if he's got the fans behind him, that's the only thing he's missing. If he gets the fans behind him, 
the casual fans, that is, then, you know, I think he'll be looked at not only as, you know, the one of the best welterweights of all time, but probably the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world. Yeah. I think that's the only thing he's missing. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's I, I'm excited. That's going to be a big one. So uh, the opportunity is ahead for you, my friend, to regain the lead. But it will not be this week because we only differ on one pick. And even if you get it right, uh, you will cut into the lead, but you will not overtake. So um, I will be picking first again next week. And uh, best of luck to you, my friend. Best of luck to you, man. Um, just know. There's a strategy behind this, man. Okay, okay. There's a strategy. I like it. I like it. You're. Uh, I, I told you it, it becomes dangerous when you're picking second to uh, fight, you know, sometimes fight your instinct just just to want to get on the other side of it to create the, you know, the the versus situation. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I wasn't going to make it to where we picked the exact same, the, the, right. the exact same car. Like, that right. wouldn't have been fun at all. So, I'm like, we'll do one because I – I like Sadiq Youssef. I like him a lot, but you know that Arnold Allen fight—it's it, really close. So I, I feel good about that pick because uh, I feel like that fight could go either way. Yeah. So, by the way, Sadiq Youssef minus one forty, Arnold Allen plus one fifteen. So, yeah, there that's, you go. That's, that's as yeah. close as it gets. Yeah, for sure. All right, he is Will Brewer. I am Colby Daniels. Uh, brief appearance by my four-year-old son a few minutes ago. If, uh, if you caught that, so uh, yeah, we're having fun. Anyway, I will uh, I, I will uh, touch base with you Saturday morning, my friend. All right, brother. You have a good one. Thanks to Will Brewer for joining me on the Colby Daniels Podcast, presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products, Kratom, CBD, Delta 8, whatever it is you're looking for. When you order online, abotanicalcompany.com. Use the discount code COLBYSHOW to save 15% off your online order. Once again, it's very easy, abotanicalcompany.com. Discount code COLBYSHOW for 15% off. Plus, they have a drive through so it's easy, safe, and efficient pickup at Artisan Botanicals, abotanicalcompany.com company.com. All right, tomorrow is draft Friday. We've got a fun draft scheduled, so look out for that. Everybody have a great day. Stay safe and I will see you tomorrow. Podcast is over.